0: We are actually really excited that a dear friend of mine has been uh, called by God to be our new district supervisor. Billy Calderwood was the senior pastor of Media City Church in Burbank, California. Uh, Just think if you know where that gigantic Ikea is when you're on the freeway in Burbank. They're neighbors, that church is neighbors with the Ikea. So so it's a church of good coffee and Swedish meatballs. Well, he's actually uh, handed that church over to the next generation of leadership so that he could be our district supervisor and uh, Billy and I have been uh, friends and, and brothers in ministry as senior pastors for uh, the better part of the last decade, and now I get the honor to call him my pastor and a mentor and an older brother in the faith for me. So it is a huge honor for me to introduce to you my friend and my district supervisor, Pastor Billy Calderwood. <laughs>
1: said such nice things I should come here more often that was was amazing he's going on and on and I'm like who Uh, no I am think I'll tell you what I love your pastors Uh, I had the privilege of uh, interviewing Tim when I was doing my master's degree because uh, Tim and Sharon are prototypical of the kind of leader I was studying leaders that that stepped into senior pastoring really young uh, and I was doing a study on leadership development factors, and now, how many know not every senior pastor has a doctorate in them? Yours does that 's a big deal uh, and he 's in the home stretch, so pray for him he 's in the home stretch, and I had the privilege of having Tim actually make me a part of of his research sample as well, just kind of. Diving in, and I'm sure he'll tell you more about it, but diving into um, the way we in our tribe called Foursquare think about discipling people fully into the image of Christ and all that it means to experience Jesus in your life. Um, overjoyed to be with you this morning. I, uh, I think God liked me more when I was a young Christian. <laughs> Anybody ever have that? Hey, let, me, let me see your hands if you've been a follower of Jesus for more than a year. Okay, that's, that's a lot of us in this room. Definitely the majority of us in this room. What about more, more than four or five years? Let's see. Okay, so that's a lot of us still. So some of us have been following Jesus for a little bit of time. Maybe some of us are younger, but do you remember when you were first following Jesus, and it's just like miracle, 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 amazing thing. Just like every time you prayed a prayer, you felt like God just answered, and it was, it was amazing. It was like spiritual life on steroids, Everything was awesome all the time. And do you remember the first time that you prayed and you didn't get an answer from God right away? And you get your Bible out and you shake it like, is it broken? Like, what just happened? This was going really well. And you hit like a turbulent season. When I first came to Jesus, my life was all book of Acts all the time. And no book of Job ever, like at all. No suffering No crying out to God in the dark night of the soul. No waiting a long time for God to answer. But I've realized that sometimes in my walk with Jesus, it's kind of both end. There's times when we go through difficult seasons and we're wondering, why, God, aren't you doing what you did before in my life? Why are you having me kind of in in this waiting season? And I know one of the questions I hear, you know, people, particularly young people ask all the time is, if there's a God, why is there so much evil in the world? Right? Why doesn't God just eradicate the evil? The problem with that is we've got evil in us. So if God just suddenly snuffed out all the evildoers in the world, how many know that would be bad for me? Right? So I'm so thankful that Jesus is patient, and his death and burial and resurrection mean my sin can be forgiven. But I'm also thankful that God involves me in his miracle work. Right? I remember one time my son, he was two, he wanted to help me take out the trash. So he walks up to me, I'm taking out the trash, and he says, help you. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, "So I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't pass this opportunity to do something, Father and Son. So I dig through the trash to find something light enough for him to carry. And I found an empty milk jug, an empty gallon milk jug, and it had a handle on it. And so we went out to take out the trash together. And the second we get out the back door, he's like super distracted by the cat. Drops the milk jug, runs after the cat. Hey, buddy, I thought you were going to help me. Oh, yeah, I'm going to help you. We go another five feet. He sees his trike. Like, he goes and rides his trike around. Hey, hey buddy, what happened to We were going to do this together. What should have been a two-minute trip to the dumpster to take out the trash ended up taking about 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> but when we finally got there, I had to lift him up because too. he can't throw anything in the dumpster. I lifted him up, and he threw something in the dumpster. And then he says to me, his face just lit up with this deep sense of accomplishment. And he said, Dad, I helped you. You know, that's how God feels about you. Why does God choose to do the work of the kingdom through us? It's not because he's super incompetent and you're amazing. God, I couldn't do it without you, Billy. Whew! I'm really glad you showed up in church today because before you got here, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it. I mean, that's never how God feels. But God loves it when we help him. God loves it when we get involved in the mission of Jesus. And I think sometimes about, you know, I'm a, I'm a movie geek and I love Star Wars. But how boring would that movie be if Luke Skywalker just went to the Tashi station got his power converters, came back home, and lived the rest of his life as a farmer. That would be the dumbest movie (laughs) anyone has ever seen. But that's Luke's ambition at the beginning of that movie. I got to get to the Tashi station and get these power converters. That is not a good story. And how many know in the story of the cosmic fight between good and evil that is ultimately won by Jesus Christ. He's involving you in it. But there's a Darth Vader in that story. There's evil forces at work, and there is the grace of God at work, and you're invited into that story. And sometimes it's clean and easy and victorious all the time, and sometimes it's a battle. And sometimes there's long stretches in the middle of our story where we're not experiencing what we had hoped for. There's times when we're like, God, where are you in my story? You ever feel that? You're like you know you know god's been good to you before but you're wondering where is he like right now i've had crazy high octane explosive just stupid miracles happen in my life i remember one time i was in high i was just just out of high school um i was 17 years old and i was leading a bible study small group for a bunch of high school aged boys in orchid california right outside of santa maria on the central coast and we were reading this bible we were doing a bible study together Um, And I was actually the person with the most church experience. I didn't have a lot of church experience, but I had some. I had the most. And so I was kind of in charge, and we were reading the Bible together. And I was like the the second oldest dude there, but the person with the the most church experience. And there's all these, like, 10th and 11th grade boys there. And we were reading the Bible together. And somebody brings in their friend who had his foot in the cast. This guy's the friend was named Steve. He didn't know church, didn't know Jesus, like, at all had no experience with that, but he jumped off the bleachers at Rigetti High School, landed on the side of his foot, broken some bones and torn some ligaments, and the specialist he needed to see wasn't available to see him, so they sent him home on pain meds with his foot wrapped uh, after they had taken some x-rays and said, you need to come in, we got to get you into a specialist on Monday. So he's trying to just soldier through the pain, right? They bring him in to this small group. And he's sitting there while we're doing our Bible study small group, and some, we get to the end, and then we close in prayer. And somebody says, "And I felt guilty that it wasn't me." Somebody said, "You know, we should probably pray for Steve." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that would yeah, that would be a good idea." That I feel bad for not saying that first, but we probably should. You ever pray a prayer because it would be impolite not to pray? But not because you have any expectation God's actually going to do anything. I was kind of in that space. I'm like, oh yeah, we need to close in prayer. We should, you know, probably help Steve. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, let's pray a really low expectation prayer. Like, dear Lord, would Thou helpest Steve in this moment of his suffering to make it through the weekend till he sees see his specialist and have somebody look at his foot. That's where my faith was. The problem is, I had just read the Bible with teenagers. And teenagers look at that and they go, this is true or it's not true. Let's find out. So we're going to pray for Steve, and I'm about ready to pray my polite prayer. And some dude, brand new Christian, like been saved for five minutes, all hopped up on Scripture I mean, you gotta be careful when you give teenagers a Bible. It, like it it gets out of hand. You give teenagers a Bible, it gets out of hand. So it got out of hand. This 16-year-old that's been saved for five minutes is like, God, you are you're like awesome and stuff. So, dude, he'll his foot. And I knew that if there wasn't a miracle in that moment, everybody's gonna look at me. The dude has been in church the longest to explain why it didn't happen. So I'm like, oh, man, you guys, we just, boy, we opened a can of worms here. And then the next dude prayed. And he was equally hopped up on the Bible and full of faith. But as one person after, (laughs) one guy, I mean, these guys, some of these guys are bra, like brand new Christians. One guy, I think he even cussed. He's like, God, you're so effing great. He'll see his foot right now. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you ruined it. Jesus doesn't listen to that kind of language, friends. I just. (laughs) If there was a miracle to be had today, you just totally ruined it. How many know Jesus loves and is patient with all of us that are in development that have faith? Crazy prayer after crazy prayer after crazy prayer finally came to my cousin Nate, who happened to be in this Bible study, and he also prayed a crazy prayer. And then it came to my turn to close the prayer, and the faith atmosphere in the room had shifted. So I didn't even pray. And I'd never done this before in my life, but I said, I just command the bones. I don't know where this came from. I command the bones and Steve's foot that are broken to fuse back together. I command the swelling to go down. And I'm like, what am I? Why, why are you doing that? That's not a polite prayer. And all of a sudden, Steve started to yell. He's like, "Ho, oh! oh! ho!" And then he gets up. And he starts jumping up and down on his foot. And I'm like, bro, you should sit down. That's going to make it worse in my mind. And then he yells, I can feel the bones in my foot fusing back together. I can feel the bones in my foot moving. Right? How many know God is good like that? (laughs) Imagine my, I lost track of Steve. I moved, I left that town. I moved probably about two months after that story. And I had heard that Steve had become a missionary. That was all that I had heard. And then 10 years later, 10 years, I'm at the Seacrest Motel in Pismo Beach for a staff retreat with my church plan at that point. And I opened the elevator, and I walked out, and there's this man with this really long beard, white dude with a really long beard. Uh, and he's wearing what looks like Muslim garb. And he goes, Billy Calderwood. And I go, huh? He goes, Steve Crawford. I just want to say thank you for having faith to believe that God wanted to heal me that day in Orchid all those years ago. And then he told me stories. He says, for the last 10 years, I've been living amongst Bengali Muslims in India, leading thousands of people to Christ, mostly through a healing ministry. How many know God is good, and he honors faith, and he honors his word? But how many know that sometimes he does so in a way that's not as expedient for our tastes? I want to read a story about a time when God did something unexpected, but in a different way. Everybody say, if only. Now everybody say, someday. How many of you have any if onlys in your life? If only I hadn't done that stupid thing. You know, if I had a time machine, people are like, I'd go back and, you know, bet on the World Series. I'd go back to last week and not say that dumb thing to my wife. That's what I would do if I had a time machine. You ever done something, you're like, oh, that was, man, that was not well thought out. (laughs) Right? Some of us have if if onlys. Uh, Some of us are stuck in the past and lamenting the past. If only... I hadn't made a dumb decision. If only I hadn't picked up that drink and then gotten behind the wheel. If only, if only, if only I'd finished school earlier in my life. Sometimes it's a sense of regret. If only I'd made some different choices. Sometimes our if onlys are based on something that happened to us that that wasn't our fault at all. If only my father hadn't been an alcoholic. If only that accident that injured me hadn't happened. If only my spouse hadn't cheated on me. If only I hadn't been passed over for that promotion. If only the coronavirus hadn't interrupted everybody's lives, shut down my industry, and I lost my job. I mean, that's real. There's a lot of us that when we think about our present, we're holding in our hands some if-onlys. Everybody say someday. I think there's a lot of us that are looking at the past and have some if-onlys when we walked in this room. I think there's some of us that are looking at the future and saying, well, it'll get better someday. Right? S- someday, some things will change. I don't know how much hope I have for today, but I got, some, I got some someday hopes. Someday, my kids will be older, and I'll have a little more freedom to do other things. Then how many know your kids get older? And you're and Like, God, I'd give one more if I could just have one more day with them when they're little. Right? Someday, I'll be more financial independent. Someday. I'll book that job, I'll get that promotion. Someday maybe my marriage will be better. Someday I'll be able to take that vacation and forget for at least a week how much I dislike my everyday reality. Someday I'll have peace. Someday I'll have contentment. Someday it'll be enough. Someday maybe things will be different and the deep answers of my heart will be answered to. I want you to hold out your left hand and I want you to think of the if-onlys that you hold. And I want you to hold out your right hand and I want to thank you to think about all the times that you said someday. I think sometimes it's hard for me to be present. Anybody else, you feel that? It's hard, to, it's hard to actually acknowledge what God's doing in the middle moment. Thanks for doing that. We're going to get back to that just as we close. But I want to read a passage of scripture to you today from John chapter 11. And it's a, it's a passage of an encounter with Jesus when Jesus doesn't do the thing. That he was expected to do. He doesn't do the miracle in the way he was expected to do it. He doesn't show up on time. He clearly does something extraordinary in this passage of scripture, but it doesn't look like his friends wanted it to look. Jesus has close friends, two sisters and a brother named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus probably by this time knows what it's like to lose a parent. Joseph is mentioned in the early part of Scripture, and every time after that, it's just Mary. People believe that Jesus lost his earthly father uh, before adulthood and sometime after the time that he preached in the temple when he was 12. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus are mentioned as siblings, and their parents are never mentioned. Maybe they bonded, and their friendship came around what it was like to have to grow up real fast without a parent. Nonetheless, it says that these were Jesus' friends and that Jesus loved them. And whenever he could be at their place, he would be at their place. And Lazarus, the brother, and Mary and Martha, the two sisters, are friends of Jesus. And it says that Lazarus got sick. And in verse 3 of John 11, it says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. How many know by this time, Mary and Martha and Lazarus had seen a million Steve Crawfords? Not a million, but they've been following Jesus around. They've seen miracle after miracle. You've been like that. You've seen God just break in. You've seen God do just stupid, ridiculous, crazy, awesome things. And you got to hold the milk jug, right? You got to be a part of it. You got to pray a prayer that God answered and a miracle happened. And you're like, this is amazing. I am all in with Jesus. This is incredible. So Lazarus gets sick, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus are like, we know a guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, we know a guy. We watched him like open blind eyes. Lazarus has corona or something, we don't know, but like whatever this is, it's not blindness. Whatever this is, he's not paralyzed. They'd seen Jesus do insane miracles. So they're like, oh, hey, we we could just call for Jesus and everything's gonna be fine. Verse four says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. That God's Son may be glorified through it. Let me say this. Sometimes the dark valley you're walking through is for the glory of God. Sometimes God will call you in your life not to have a boring life, but an adventurous life where you actually face real evil. You're like, God, all I want to do is go get the power converters at the Tashi station and die a farmer. That's all I want. And she's like, Nope, you're going to face the depth of Vader himself with my help and my power. How you many know the venture that Jesus has called you to is going to involve staring real evil and real pain and real darkness right in the face, up close, and personal? And sometimes when that happens, Jesus promised it would happen to all his followers. But when it happens, we're like, God, you're not good. Why this? And Jesus is like, what Bible have you been reading, friends? This has always been the call. But, friends, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear because God's with you. But I will tell you the valley of the shadow of death will come. It will come and it comes for martha and mary and lazarus in this moment but it's for the glory of god jesus says verse five and six greatest contradiction in all of the book of john and the passage of scripture that's probably more messed up than any other passage of scripture in the whole bible there's some messed up passages but this is messed up now jesus loved mary and martha and his sister and lazarus so when he heard that lazarus sick he stayed where he was two more days what you guys these are jesus friends they're saying lord our brother is sick will you come and heal him and jesus comes immediately to answer the cry if you read the bible he comes immediately to answer the cry of sick people all of the time It's urgent, and it's immediate, and Jesus shows up, and he heals them. He's like, oh, somebody's sick. Let's go. Who is it? They're like, it's your very good friends. Oh, let's wait a couple days. (laughs) Who wants to be friends with Jesus? Guys, I'm not sure I do exactly anymore. I'm like, wait, these are his friends? I'd rather be like a loose acquaintance, maybe, if he comes right away. Jesus decides he's not going to show up right away. He waited two days, then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Verse 17 says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had died. He'd already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, verse 21, Martha said, if you had been here. Everybody say, if you had been here. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. What is Martha saying in this moment? If only, Jesus, if only you had been here. This is the worst outcome possible. We're grieving in in, inextricable loss. And if only you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Everybody say, at the last day. What is she saying now? Someday. If only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Your brother will rise again, Jesus says. And they're like, yeah, someday. Heaven's our portion because we trust in God. I feel it. I feel this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I want you to catch the significance of something. Even though Jesus had not responded to these sisters' cry in the way that they had hoped, in the way that they had wanted, how many know they still put their faith in him? God will ask you at a time in your future, and maybe you are there today, he will not have been faithful in the way you thought he should have been faithful. He will not have done the miracle that you've seen him to do before and you expected him to do again and it didn't happen on your timetable. He's telling some other kind of a story. But in that moment of your pain and your disappointment, you're going to have an option to re-up your faith in Jesus. Like these sisters do. And they say, even if it's only a someday faith, I do believe that my brother will rise again because you are the Messiah. In that moment, her faith is clarified. How many of you know our faith isn't always clarified and solidified in the moments we're on easy street? It's when we trust God in the pain and the challenge and the difficulty, in the face of loss and in the face of disappointment. But a faith rises up and Martha in this moment says, I'm disappointed that you weren't here. My heart is breaking over the loss that I've experienced, but I still put my faith in you. Like Job said, though you slay me, I will trust you, Lord. Even if I die with my faith in Jesus, not having seen the things that I hope for, I still know that you're the Lord. And my life is fully in you. One way or the other. After she had said this, she went back and called Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. I love that Jesus asks for Mary. I wonder why Mary didn't come when Martha came. Maybe she was mad. I can't see him right now. You ever feel a little mad at God? I many not know God can handle it. I don't, I don't know if I can go see him right now. So Jesus calls for her. How we know Mary and her sister are experiencing the same realities? The if only someday tension. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied. And the verse that I know I need to be in the Bible is is verse 35. It says that Jesus wept. Jesus starts this out by saying, this sickness will not end in death. God is going to be glorified in Lazarus' life. God is going to be glorified in Mary and Martha's life. I get to write, God will write the last sentence in your story and mine. Come on, how many of you believe that? God is going to write the last sentence in your story and mine. But I need to know that Jesus weeps when he asks me to go through something hard. Because I want miracle, 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 no suffering. I don't want pain. I don't want long distances between when I see God do something great. I just want it to be glory, 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 mountaintop, 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 not suffering, dark valley, dark valley, mountaintop, suffering, dark valley, right? How many of you know that? That's what I would prefer. But Jesus never promises that. He said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be with you in the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. But you need to know when I've asked you to walk through a season of life that has been filled with pain, I understand what it cost you. And my heart breaks with your heart. Jesus doesn't just move to, okay, you guys, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I wasn't here. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm late. Let's Hold on, let's just raise him. How many know that he doesn't move to straight to solution? He just stops in that moment and he weeps. Friends, it's important that you know that Jesus weeps. Many of you in this room have suffered some almost incalculable losses. And you've still re-upped your faith in Jesus. You said, Jesus, I still want to serve you. I still believe in you. I don't know why. You didn't do what I thought you would do. You didn't do what I hoped you would do. But I still, I'm all in. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to serve you. And in that moment, it's important to know That Jesus identifies with the pain. He feels everything that you feel, and he's with you in it. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the 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 eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Martha is always so practical. If you read all the stories of Mary and Martha, you find out that Martha is the practical one. And Martha's a realist. Like, hey, you want to open up the, let's open up the tomb. Martha's like, hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. How many know Jesus didn't need to pray out loud for the Father to hear him, but he prayed out loud for the benefit of everybody else, because he's setting up a kingdom moment that's going to change everything. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus had demonstrated plenty of times that he had authority over sickness. Jesus had demonstrated many times that he had authority over nature. Jesus had demonstrated in the lives of other people many times that he was king and he was Lord, but there was one thing that he hadn't done yet. He had not demonstrated yet publicly in the eyes of people that he literally had authority over death itself, and he needed a test case. He needed to prefigure with Lazarus what was going to happen to him in about a week. This is on the way into Jerusalem. This is right before the triumphal entry. And it says that Lazarus, so he sets up an entire situation in the will of God where he allows Lazarus to die. He allows Lazarus to be in the tomb four days. There is going to be no sense that, well, maybe he wasn't really dead. Martha knows he's dead. Martha wrapped Lazarus himself, put him in there. He has been in there four days. And if you open the tomb, I bet you it smells like it. This man is dead. He's not like accidentally dead. It was certain this man was dead. And what Jesus is trying to demonstrate here, and see the similarities, there is a cave tomb with a stone rolled in front of it. And Jesus shows up to prefigure his own death and burial and resurrection, but to show the people and to show his followers, even death is not bigger than God. Even death is not bigger than my ministry. Even death will not separate you from the love of God. There is nothing going on right now. And Jesus has to tell this story to prefigure his own resurrection. And he needs to choose somebody that's not going to fall apart during the process. So he chooses his closest friends. He knows it's hard. He knows what he's asking them to do is going to be so hard. He knows the pain it will cause. But he says, you're going to get to be a part of one of the greatest. We're talking about it. 2,000 years later, we read this story. Mary and Martha and Jesus are forever famous in the community of Christ followers globally and around the world because Jesus chose them to be a part of this miracle. Was it hard what he asked them to do? Yeah. Will it be hard what he asks you to do? It might be. And I want to prepare you for that opportunity. It might be hard. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows what he's asking. He says, take off the grave clothes and let him Go. You know what is crazy about this story? is a second that they start to, Lazarus is raised, they have this big feast. And then the Pharisees are so mad that everybody's following Jesus that they go, "Um, we need to kill him. We need to kill Jesus because we're losing power. And they also realize Jesus' ministry has gotten so much positive press because everybody, all these people from Jerusalem, knew Mary and Martha, Half of Jerusalem is in a buzz right now because, you know, Lazarus, remember Lazarus? Yeah, I know Lazarus. Yeah, he died. Like, he was not like mostly dead, he was like dead. I'm not gonna quote Monty Python, but he was all dead. He was not mostly dead. He was dead. And everybody's like, and all these, all the people of Jerusalem begin to flock to Jesus during the triumphal entry. They're coming in. Who's with Jesus? Lazarus! The guy who is dead! Five minutes ago, and all these people come rushing out to meet Jesus because they hear not only can he heal the sick, this man is raising dead people. And so the Jewish leaders are like, we're going to kill Jesus, and guess what? We're going to have to kill Lazarus too. Let God do a miracle so great in your life that the enemy doesn't see any option but to kill you. We we, got to get this person out of the way because... Sister Elizabeth, come on now. You already got that reputation in heaven. She laid hands on me and prayed for me earlier, and the power of the Holy Spirit descended on my life in a very fresh way. And I'm like, can I just hang out with you all the time? Right? I'm so thankful for people that, that I've had that faith that's endured through the middle and has stayed strong on the Lord. So here is Jesus telling a different kind of story, prefiguring his own death and burial and resurrection, and he does something extraordinary in the life of Lazarus. And then within about a week, Jesus himself is crucified and Jesus is raised from the dead to demonstrate for all time that not sin and not death and not the power of hell itself is stronger than the person and work of Jesus Christ. And no sin can separate you from the love of God. Some of you got some stupid on you in the last year and you're like, I'm pretty sure I've lost God's favor on my life. We all get stupid on us from time to time. Let me tell you something. There is no sin. If you will come before the Lord and confess your sin to Him and bring your life to Him, there is no sin you've gotten yourself involved in that is a deal breaker for the love of God to transform your life. There is no sickness. There is no illness, there is no diagnosis, there is no situation, there is no death, there is no destruction, there is no pain, there is no loss that's bigger than God's ability to write the final sentence of your story. I want to say three things about this passage, and then I want to take a moment and pray for us. Is that okay? The first thing I want to say about this passage is Jesus sometimes takes way too long. I mean, that's not profound. But from my perspective, Jesus often takes too long. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you, and that doesn't mean he's not committed to your future. It just may be in a shift in the kind of story he's trying to tell in your life. That's the story I told you about, Steve. I could tell you dozens of more stories, equally crazy about how I've seen the grace of God. But I'm in the middle of a thing right now. My son is 23 years old. He's a drummer, he went for a couple years to Musicians Institute in Hollywood. He hasn't touched sticks in over a year because he's been feeling numbness. They're not sure if he has something like MS or something like uh, CIPD, um, chronic inflammatory, demyelinating polyneuropathy. He has not been able to get an effective and accurate diagnosis. All he knows is his muscles don't activate. He was drumming, he was dropping sticks. Some days he can't walk. Can't drive, he's 23, and we have been praying for that boy every day. Anoint him with oil, pray, he's been praying, and I'll tell you friends, he's wept. Where's my miracle? Where's God in my life? And as a parent who's seen God do the radical miracle for everybody else, I'm having to re-up my faith in Jesus in the middle of the story right now. And I'm holding my own if-onlys. If only, 14 months ago, God, you would have just healed them. If only you would he, never allowed this to happen. And I feel the Lord reminding me, I'm telling a story here. And I'm the author of the story, not you and not your son. So hold in this middle space with me, but know that I weep. Know that I know it's hard what I'm asking you to do, but also know that I'm not done working yet. How many know? We sang about it today. But the Bible tells us that in all things... God works for the good of those who who love him and are called according to his purpose. If Jesus is taking too long, that doesn't mean he doesn't have something glorious in mind for your life. God, I've been praying for that job for four months. Lord's like, I'm working out something good in your life. God, I've been praying for that healing for a long time now. God says, come on, don't give up. I'm working out something good in your life. How many you know that even when Jesus takes too long, he's working on something good in your life? The second thing that I want to say is that Jesus is deeply moved by what you're going through. He's deeply moved by what you're going through. There's nothing you're going through right now that the Lord doesn't understand, and he doesn't want to show up in your life and provide grace for. The last thing I want to say is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Are they just working out something wonderful in your life right now? You might not be able to see the answer. You know, someday, because I believe our Bible is true, you and I are going to meet Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And if eternity is about anything, it's going to be about sharing the stories with one another of the greatness and the goodness of God. But I got to tell you, friends, for the whole rest of their lives, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I am 100% sure they had no regret about what Jesus asked them to walk through. Guys, do you know what miracle God allowed us to be a part of? You know what God worked out in our lives? Our hopes were shattered. We were left only with if onlys and some days, but God showed up on the scene and, told, and began to show us what he was working out in our lives and it turned out to be far grander and bigger and more transformational and powerful than anything we could have imagined up till that point. Friends, God's working in your story that way. And you may be on the high where it feels like every prayer you pray is getting answered. You may be in that place where you're like, God, I've seen you do before. Where are you now? You may be in that place where you're processing a lot of pain and the Lord is coming alongside of you and his tears match your tears. And you may be in that place where God's asking you to hold on a little bit longer. And you're just going to have to re-up your commitment to him and say, Lord, I trust you to write the end of my story. But let me tell you something, friends. He is writing your story and he will. Good news about getting older as a follower of Jesus Christ. As I realized that. This isn't my first dark valley. This isn't the first time I'm like, God, where are you seriously? Could you waste any more time on your way to do the thing that I need you to do? And I've realized that I've been through some dark valleys, and only afterwards did I recognize, oh, I was praying for a miracle like this. You were trying to do something like this. I believe that in my son's life. I believe that for you, whatever dark valley you're walking through. God has not surrendered his desire to write the last chapter in your story. Can we pray? Holy Spirit today, you're so good. And Lord, you comfort us and you bring us peace and grace. Would you do something for me? Would you hold out your left hand? And I want you to think about maybe some moments where you've just said, if only. And it's been difficult for you to move forward into your future or even to be in the present because you've been so focused on things in the past. You know, that, that person I dated for a long time, just they, they dumped me, they broke up with me and it broke my heart. This bad situation happened to me. It really continues to affect my life. If that hadn't happened, I'd be in a different place right now. But acknowledge the if-onlys in your left hand and hold out your right hand. I want you to think about all the times, maybe in the last week that you've said someday. Well, someday the coronavirus will be under control. Someday, maybe I'll have a different job or a better job. Someday, if I'm single, maybe I'll be married. Some of the married people are like, someday, maybe he'll change. <laughs> someday, she'll get me. Uh, maybe. But how do we know Jesus is alive and at work in your situation right now? And here's the thing that I want to say, is I want you to bring all of your if-onlys in one hand, and all of your some days in the other. And I want you to present them before Jesus, and I want you to imagine Jesus just standing in front of you and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. And I get that you don't understand why I've taken so long on some things. You've been praying, and you've been praying faithfully, and I've taken longer than you wanted me to take on some things. But in this moment, I'm present with you. And I want you to imagine tears in the eyes of Jesus because he knows the pain. If you've had to hold steady through a middle season that's been challenging and painful, how many know the Lord? He doesn't just acknowledge our weeping, he weeps with us. He knows that this middle place he's asked you to hold through has been a hard place. And right now in the name of Jesus, I release comfort in this place. I release healing in this place. The comfort of Jesus for people to know, it's not turned out the way I wanted it to, but that is no means, by no means has God abandoned me. He sees and he knows. And Lord, we also in this moment trust that you're writing a great story in our lives. Even in the middle of the things that have been disappointing, you are about to do something extraordinary and great. We do not surrender the pen to write the last chapter to any other but you, Lord Jesus. You're going to write the story and you're going to do something good. And Father, right now in this place, across this room, I ask that you would minister so powerfully and that you would be present. That your presence would just break right into people's lives and people would know, Lord, that you are active. That, you are, that your fullness, your presence and your grace across this room in Jesus' name last thing I want to ask is, um, (laughs) as scary as it might be, if you're here today and you've not yet made a commitment to follow Jesus in your life, a lot of people try to sell Jesus by saying, hey, you follow Jesus, everything is going to be like super easy and awesome all the time. That has not been my experience. But I will tell you, as I've been following Jesus, I'm realizing I'm getting to be a part and play a major role by God's grace, in the greatest story that's ever been told, and the God who's working something out gloriously for the world, and has a part for you to play in it. But if you're here this morning, if you've never said an all-in for Jesus, would you just slip your hand up in this place? Say, that's me. Yeah. I see a couple of hands here. Today, I'm all in for Jesus. Let me expand this a little bit. You're here, for, you're here, and you at one point did, but you've been through some stuff, and you're kind of in that middle place, and you need to do what Martha did. Jesus, I trust you, but I, I've begun to have my doubts and my concerns because you haven't done what I thought you should do. But today, I'm re-upping my commitment to be a follower of Jesus in spite of the fact that I've had some disappointment. If that's you. Would you slip up your hand in this place. There's a few... Lord, would you hear these yeses? We trust that you are the resurrection and the life. Can I pray a prayer with you? Would you say this, a whole church after me? Lord Jesus, you have victory over death. You died on the cross so my sin could be forgiven. No matter what happens in my life from now on, good or bad, resurrection is in my future too. And you're going to be with me. Every step of the way, you've invited me into a journey. It won't always be easy, but you will never leave me alone. And I surrender the pen of my life. You're the great director and the great writer. I give you permission, no matter what I'm going through right now, to write my ending and to let it be a part of your glorious story. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thanks for letting me be with you today.
0: Pastor Billy, don't go anywhere. Thank you. Um, I, had, I had asked Pastor Billy if he would come and speak and, and told him a little bit about just kind of where we're at as a church, and wasn't that just the perfectly timely, most timely word you could have ever asked for? Um, so thank you, Pastor Billy. Uh, we like though when we have guests come from the outside. If we also could just pray a blessing over your ministry. So um, we have a tradition here at Life Church. If you could just extend your right hand and join me in prayer um, as we pray for uh, Pastor Billy. How many churches are in our are in our district now? It's like a thousand. It's like four hundred,
1: right? It,
0: it, uh, yeah, four hundred and thirty-two. Four hundred. So, so you are responsible for. The, the leadership and the covering of 432 4 score churches. That's a lot of churches.
1: Yeah, I think I need a nap all of a sudden yeah, when you, when you sorry, say it out loud.
0: I just, I just know how hard <laughs> well, it's been you. to pastor one church in the last <laughs> season. So to be responsible yeah. for covering 432, uh, we want to pray a blessing Amen. for you. And your son's name is Jeremiah, right? Um, so God, we pray a blessing over Billy. And uh, we thank you for his leadership. We thank you for the, the, the anointing that you have on his life, that he is such a gift in the rooms where he walks into, that you put exactly the word that we needed to hear in the season onto his heart, and he delivered that uh, with conviction and love and passion today, and we receive that word. But, Lord, we pray a blessing of wisdom for him that goes beyond even his natural wisdom that he has as he is supervising 432 fourscore churches on a pandemic that, just won't quit and all of the other social issues in the world and and all of the other stuff going on that this is a a daunting task but he is the man for the job we believe that we believe that you've given him the wisdom and the calling for it would you bless him in that while he is also stewarding this call would you bless his family lord we we join in the prayers for jeremiah for his healing not just for a clear diagnosis, Lord. We we ask for that, for wisdom for the doctors, that he would have a clear answer. But, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, with the same faith that said bones and ligaments fuse in a leg, uh, we just declare in the name of Jesus that whatever is going on that is not aligned in Jeremiah's body, that you would align it in the name of Jesus. We would partner our faith with those prayers of healing for his body in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Billy.
1: Thank you, friends. What a joy to be with you.